I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, for the first time since 1918, the Memorial Cup will not be presented. The reason it didn't happen in 1918 is because it didn't exist. The Canadian Hockey League, which of course is made up of the WHL, the OHL, and the QMJHL, have cancelled their playoffs and the Memorial Cup. More on that a little bit later on in the show tonight. Of course, your Edmonton Oil Kings were having a great season in the Western Hockey League with a record of 42-12-10. Also... The story breaking last night, Canada will not send athletes if the Olympics are held in 2020. Basically, the COC has said if you postpone the Olympics to Tokyo in 2021, that's fine. We will go. We are not going this year. Australia has since followed suit. Dick Pound, of course, a Canadian who's long been an IOC member, believes that within the, the next four weeks or so that the Games will indeed be postponed so that's a couple of big stories from the world of sports over the last day or so thanks a lot for tuning in tonight my name is reed wilkins inside sports on oilers and eskimos radio 630 chet i'm pleased to welcome back to the show edmonton native three-time olympian and she was going for four it is angela white angela welcome back to the show how are you doing i'm doing well reed how are you I'm doing great. It's uh, well. I'm, I'm starting almost every interview this way, so I guess I'll just do it with you as well. It's great to talk to you again. You've been on the show two or three times in the past, though I wish it were under better circumstances. Um, I'll start with the big question. Give me your reaction when you heard the news from the COC yesterday. Um, yeah, I think the initial reaction was a little bit of a, a gut punch, um, just purely from like a instinctual kind of. Um, perspective but then once that kind of settles down you realize that um this is probably like this is the best move for us to 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 take a stand um as a nation to say that we, we just can't we can't participate in a games that are going to be happening in a time when we just can't have it yeah well, and uh, like I said in the intro, Australia's done the same thing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation that the, the Games will indeed be postponed. They're scheduled for July 24th to August 9th. The Paralympics start August 25th well, we're, uh, our, to September 6th, and we'll have a Paralympian on the show a little bit later on as well. Uh, Angela, for you, uh, I, I mean, we, you've been on the show before and, and talked about your journey. Of course, you are, you are from Edmonton, though your career has taken you all over the world. Tell us a little bit about what you've been through since the Olympics in 2016. Because um, you got into coaching for a while, right? And then had decided to change gears back into more being an athlete? Yeah, so um, in 2016, I, I was able to work my way onto the 2016 team, uh, went to Rio and had kind of what I would consider a really lackluster performance. I was quite disappointed. And at that point... Uh, when I returned back to my job, um, I did some soul searching and just decided to, to quit and come back home to Canada. Um, changed my training group, uh, got a new coach, and kind of made a, um, 
a decision and, and a commitment to continue on one more time to see if I can make the 2020 team. And how would you just, how would you say that that had been been going? Where were you in the process? Because a lot of the Olympic teams aren't finalized yet, right? Right, and and uh, athletics or track and field was one of our is one of those teams that didn't have their selection process uh, yet. And I mean to say that it's been smooth and I was ready to definitely make this team. Uh, that would, I'd be lying. Um, I've been kind of dealing with injuries for the past two to three years, um, kind of not knowing where the, what they were stemming from and um, uh, worked tirelessly to rehab, but then end up getting re-injured. And um, I did end up coming back home to Edmonton for a little bit to kind of regroup. Uh, and that was in the fall of, of last year and um, underwent uh, surgery um, for some uterine fibroids that I think were causing some issues that were connected with my hamstring. Um, and that was in an attempt to kind of, again, throw the kitchen sink at this to, to see if I could be one of the oldest women to ever compete at the Olympics um, in the 100-meter hurdles or heptathlon. So I was doing my absolute best to try to make this team, um, definitely not thinking that uh, anything like this would happen. Is heptathlon uh, a relatively new venture for you, or where are you with that? Um, yes and no. So when I was in university many many years ago um i actually did it my my senior year uh at university and then kind of always toyed with it but i was always kind of it was always recommended and within my best interest to focus on the hurdles um and then after 2016 i'm like you know what i just want to finish my career uh the way that i would like to um i love being on the track the heptathlon is an amazing event the multi is uh, amazing both for the men and the women and um i wouldn't say it's new but my commitment to it is relatively new angela white joining us on inside sports tonight uh three-time olympian she's telling you the story about how she's uh she's hoping to make it four that'll have to be in in 2021 if the olympics are postponed as canada has said they're not going to go to tokyo in uh in 2020 you mentioned your age and um you know when, when i interview athletes angela i often say in the real world your age wouldn't be considered anything out of the ordinary <laughs> in the athletic Correct, world but i'm ancient yeah. i'm very much ancient when it comes to <laughs> athletics uh you're you're 39 and uh and then and the next birthday is obviously going to be the the big 4-0 just just tell us uh being the the mental and physical demands and maybe even the social demands because because you're 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 older than a lot of your competitors and teammates uh, of being an older athlete in in the world of athletics um, it's interesting. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of us to kind of lean on uh, each other to kind of compare stories and things like that, especially when it comes to the power speed events. Um, I think you can find some older athletes in the more, more distance events. Um, but yeah, I've been on so many teams and have seen so many, uh, I'll call them kids, come and go. Um, it's definitely a, a unique experience, and that's kind of why I wanted to to continue on um it's very difficult uh, i put a lot of things on hold but I, that's a decision that uh i wanted to make um obviously the things being postponed pushes any plans that i had to kind of move on to the next chapter of my life uh pushes them uh one more year but again i guess what's one more year i i think i can hold on for for one more so but it is difficult you know um 
with, I mean, I mean the, my joints hurt, but like, but there's a lot of younger athletes are experiencing the same things I am. It just, it just feels weird because I've been doing it for so long. Right. Uh, well, and, and I just want to clarify, that was you that said ancient, not me. <laughs> oh, you know what, though? I embrace it. I think uh, for a lot of us, we try to keep things at bay because if we, we admit certain things that somehow that's going to change anything. But um, I wear my age uh, as a badge of honor um, to say that, you know, I've persevered. And you know what? Maybe I'm a little bit crazy. And I want other people to know that if you have these kind of crazy dreams that why not go for them? Um, and I think in times like this, when we're seeing so much, um, so many people become sick and, and even die, that that even becomes a, a more powerful message. It's like um, when we have an opportunity, like just go and grab it because you never know what, what tomorrow is going to bring. So, um, yeah, I might be crazy for, for doing it, but why not? Well, I love the way you put that. I don't think it's crazy at all. I mean, there aren't a lot of athletes who have been in – well, I mean, you're already, you've already been in three Olympics, and you're going after four, so so why not? The the payoff is definitely worth it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned after 2016, uh, you know, you sort of faced some decisions there. And, were, and didn't you go into coaching for a little while? How did how did you enjoy that world? And do you think that's something you could step back into when you do walk away from the track? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I was coaching uh, at an NCAA, um, actually two different schools. So uh, the school that I graduated from, the University of Idaho, I, I started kind of just as a volunteer coach because, uh, I mean, you can only train for so many hours in the day. And um, I was able to use my experience um, from being on the team, but then also being an athlete, uh, I guess, a successful athlete, just depending on your metric, uh, to help others realize their dreams. And it just kind of continued on and on and ended up being a paid coach. And our group moved from University of Idaho to Washington State. So I coached there for just over a year um, before I decided not to. I could see myself getting back into coaching. Um, I really enjoy working with um, young athletes uh, to help them realize their potential and, and um, kind of go through the ups and downs, but also the great moments that, that comes from from doing athletics. So, as as a coach, if you were to coach the nineteen year old Angela White, what would you tell her? Um, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> the nineteen year old Angela White. I mean, I'm still kind of feisty and and get a you know, but uh, yeah, I think uh, probably not. I, I guess it would depend on who you spoke to, but not as emotionally stable. Um, but there, yeah, I would have to kind of reassure her that, um, I mean, there's nothing is ever promised, and so that's why we have to take opportunities when we have them, and uh, and you also have to roll with the punches. And um, if you're patient and keep working, good things will happen. So I'm not too sure if 19-year-old Angela would listen to that. She'd probably <laughs> go in the corner and cry for a bit, but right. that's okay. I'd let her have her moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's very, very well said. Um, you know, you're from Edmonton, obviously, um, to, uh, but with your profession, being an athlete, you got to move around. You mentioned some of your right. stops with schooling coaching. Where are you ba- based now, and how often do you get to come back to Edmonton? Uh, yeah, I'm currently based in Toronto. Uh, this is where I'm training currently, and um, I'm back in Edmonton. Uh, I think it just depends. So I was in Edmonton from, I believe it was the middle of September last year to December, uh, just because I was dealing with the, the health issues and um, and taking care of those. Uh, 
anytime I can get back to Edmonton, uh, I love it. I, I miss home. Um, that's where my family is. A lot of uh, my really, really close friends are in Edmonton, and it's just a great city. So um, once this is all said and done, I thought it was going to be this year, but next year then I'll have to kind of see if I definitely will put my roots down in Edmonton, depending on what the opportunities are after, after I complete this, this part of my life. Yeah, well, Angela, it, it, it's always great to have you on the show. Like, like I mentioned, you've been on the past, and you're always a very uh, honest and, and interesting person to talk to, and we appreciate you yeah, sharing you. your experience tonight because, hey, this is, uh, this is something unprecedented we're going through as, as human beings, and we appreciate you sharing your experience as an athlete. And I'll tell you what, uh, when you qualify for the 2021 Olympic Games, we're definitely having you on the show that night or the day I- after would love to be back on the show i always enjoy it and um yeah i really appreciate all of your support over right. the years right on angela take care all the best we'll be in touch thank you and uh stay healthy out there absolutely that is angela white checking in tonight to get inside sports rolling she's an incredible story uh, a great edmonton story She's uh, going for her fourth Olympics, and it'll have to be in 2021 if it's going to happen. She turns 40 in May. We uh, we had some laughs, but also she gave some really good insight about her age and how she's kept going and competing with younger athletes. Uh, she's been in the hurdles, but she's doing some heptathlon as well. She's already been in the Olympics in 04, 08, and in 2016. Thought she was stepping away and going to do some coaching, but the competition side of it, calling her back, and she's still going to chase down one more Olympic Games. The Tokyo Olympics are still scheduled for July 24th to August 9th. The Paralympics from August 25th to September 6th. Canada will not send athletes if the Games are held in 2020. As you've uh, heard me mention, and I'm sure you've seen in other reports, Dick Pound, Canadian IOC member, does expect the Olympics to indeed be postponed. Your feedback is always welcome. You can call or text 780-496-0063. Gene Principe is on between 6.30 and 7. It's Inside Sports on Chad. Buddy Gene Principe will join us between 6.30 and 7 to discuss the decision by the Canadian Olympic Committee, the shutdown of the major junior hockey league season, no playoffs, no Memorial Cup this year. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And Gene has uh, covered the Olympic Games himself, so we'll get some reflections there as well. Premier Jason Kenney speaking uh, earlier today had a little bit to say about hoarding there is no need for people to engage in hoarding uh they um this morning i did a volunteer stint uh at the hope mission uh here in edmonton the homeless shelter and soup kitchen and uh, they told me that they have that they've seen the number of people coming in to 
receive free meals has gone up by nearly 80% in the past two weeks, and yet they are struggling to get supplies because their suppliers are being uh, stressed by the demand in the grocery stores and in the grocery system. This is outrageous. So folks, the, are the, the poorest amongst us are being hurt by people who are unnecessarily hoarding. So let me just say to those who are trying to exploit seniors and others during this time of a public health emergency, there must be a special place in hell for people like that. Just stop it. And uh, it is completely un-Canadian. It is un-Albertan. It is unacceptable. It is illegal. And uh, if we catch anybody who's engaged in these kinds of frauds or scams, I guarantee you uh, the book will be thrown at them and they will face the full force of the law. Don't forget to get everything you need on globalnews.ca, 630ched.com. 8 p.m. tonight, right here on 630ched, a global news special, Coronavirus Canada in crisis. Kellen, you're going to be here for that? I will. All right. That'll be important to listen to. Uh, 42 new cases in Alberta today. There have been a total of 301 COVID-19 cases in the province. Uh, 24, up to 24 of those believed to be community transmission. 18 people are hospitalized. Seven are in the ICU. We've had, have uh, unfortunately, one person pass away in Alberta as a result of COVID-19. You know, this is a this is a very uncertain time. We're still at the beginning of it. I think it's very important for everybody to be patient. And one of the the greatest little words of advice I've seen along the way from you know listening to um, you know basically infectious disease specialists talk about this that if if you're trying to determine how you should behave if you're if you have to leave your house and and there will be times we're going to have to leave our houses. But the, the one phrase that has really st- st- stuck with me is don't behave as if you're trying to avoid catching the virus. Behave as if you already have it and you don't want to spread it. And that's really important to remember here. This virus spreads very easily. And there are, are certainly certain people who are uh, very vulnerable if uh, if they do get it, I saw I saw another uh, video I watched yesterday, Kellen, and it, just how, how quickly this could go. If if one person has COVID nineteen, and on day one they gave it to three people, and then it was each infected person gave it to three more people each day. After ten days, there'd be fifty seven thousand people infected. Wow. And obviously, you know, a lot of those people would be fine, but, you know, even if 5 or 10% of those 50,000 get really sick and need hospitalization, that's going to overwhelm the healthcare system. So that's why we're being asked to social isolate, and, and that's why we have to be ready for, for it to go on for a while, because we got to beat this thing. And the sooner we do what we're being asked to do, sooner it will be gone. pleasure to know that people I respect sometimes tune into Inside Sports. People that I 
look up to as broadcasters, people I consider mentors in the business. And I got a text message from such a person on Friday night. You may have tuned in. We had Bag Milk on the show. No, that's not the gentleman's real name, but that's his pseudonym that he uses to write on Oilers Nation. He's told the story about why that's, that's his name. So Bag Milk is on the show on Friday night, and we're talking hockey and talking Oilers and talking no hockey and no Oilers. And I got a text message from this person I respect, and it said, uh, Hey, Reed, with the NHL on pause, is bagged milk sour? Kellen, you remember when I got that text? I do now, yep. Now, if people weren't listening on Friday, they can probably guess who it came from. It came from the Prince of Puns himself, the one and only from Sportsnet, Gene <laughs> Principe. Gene, how are you doing? I'm uh, doing good, listening to you and enjoying uh, any kind of... Um and I know you have to cover COVID-19 in a sports way, uh, but it's kind of nice just to hear uh, different people talking about sports, even though we don't have any going on right now. Well, we're going to have a lot of different people on the show in the uh, months <laughs> and weeks to come, uh, for, for sure. I mean, Gene, look, and we're going to get into the news from the hockey world today and, and the Olympic world as well. But sometimes people ask me, Reed, what is the best part about your job? And there, I, I like almost everything about the job. Like, as, as you know, I, I, I really like it. I like broadcasting. It's a privilege to, uh, to cover sports and all that kind of stuff. But the best part about the job is just interviewing people, just getting to talk to human beings and bringing out their stories or having a good connection with somebody while you're interviewing with them and, and maybe realizing you're on the air and somebody's telling a story and you're realizing nobody has ever heard the story before. Like, we're getting it out of this person uh, for the first time. They're willing to share it, whether it's positive, sad, you know, inspirational, whatever. That That is the best part of the job, just having those conversations with people. Yeah, it's, it's not a stretch, you, um, uh, stretch to, you know, we get a chat. I always feel like, uh, and I know... First of all, for people who don't get to see you work, you do love uh, the job. So those of us who watch you work and not just listen to you work, uh, see that and know that. Um, I, I, I always feel like when I get a chance to speak with someone, interview someone, talk to somebody, pregame, postgame, intermission, whatever it is, you're, you're really a, an extension of the people who are at home who don't have the opportunity to ask the questions that they're thinking of so you're like okay well what what would someone want to know or hear uh find out and i mean listen you you nailed it when it comes to getting a chance to talk to incredible people we're we're, we're i guess doubly lucky that we're in a in a city with a, a hockey team and a football team in particular uh that having you know incredible history and so we're allowed to uh, speak to people athletes that we grew up watching cheering for and now we get sometimes side by side or whether it be by phone uh lately <laughs> i've been doing it by uh skype online uh interview opportunities with uh with people that you you used to watch and hear about and now you're talking to them well and that's what i mean like that you're a mentor for me because you're a guy when i worked in lloyd minster i used to send demo tapes yeah. and ask for feedback and and you were one of the few people because everybody says they'll give you feedback but you were one of the few people that actually took the time to watch and, and give me feedback, and you gave me really good feedback. Of course, I'm not I'm not in TV anymore, but uh, I, I do remember one thing you said. You said, "Reed, you got it, you got it." And I don't know if this still applies in TV today. You'll have to tell me because I do notice there are a little. There's a lot more facial hair than there used to be 
on anchors. But I remember once you did tell me, you said, Reed, you probably got to take the glasses off for the demo tape because sometimes I would wear my glasses and you said you probably got to go with the contact lenses. And so I did. Well, yeah, you know, the thing is I, I'm going to go against my advice pretty soon because <laughs> I would like to wear my glasses on TV, but there's this machismo feeling like, I, I mean, it's it's silly because I wear my glasses. You know, I would say, well... If I'm on TV 20% of the time, I'm just picking a number, uh, probably about 75% uh, I'm wearing glasses, and people are going, well, wait a minute, that leaves 5%. Yeah, it's 5% of the time when I'm not on TV, I'll be wearing contacts. But I love wearing my glasses. But there's this thing that I don't know why we think it's it's a sign of weakness to wear glasses uh, in front of people, especially nowadays, right? It's not the old Coke bottle lenses we had. Uh, back in the 70s and, and into the 80s especially. I mean, the glasses are stylish. So, well, I, I hope I gave you more than that tip when it came to your career uh, and that I was uh, of some advantage. I always would get, uh, you know, feedback from people that I, uh, you know, wanted to find out, how do you get better? How do you get better? What do I have to do to get a job in? Pick a city, pick a radio station or a TV station. Uh, you know, you want to get it done, and so you need help from people to to lead you in the right direction. Yeah, well, no, you you were always uh, you were always very helpful, and it's it's cool to see you uh, on an almost daily basis during the season. Who knows when we're going to see each other in person now? But it's I'm glad you were willing to come on the on the show tonight on a day where you know we do have really some concrete and significant sports news to talk about, Gene. And let's start first with uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings, who uh, were 42-12-10. and 10. Yeah. They're not going to have a chance to, t- to go after the Memorial Cup. And, and I set off the start of the show, the last time the Memorial Cup was not awarded was 1918. And that's because it didn't uh-huh. exist. I mean, that's the magnitude uh, of what we're facing here. Yeah, you know, the other day I was interested in maybe doing a story on on Brad Lauer and and, and uh, Kurt Hill and, and the boys, especially the overage boys, young men, uh, who were part of, I think they were third in the Western Hockey League uh, when the season was suspended at that time, paused, uh, which has now become cancelled. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty crushing blow. I mean, uh, I know that you and I, and you spend more time around the Oil Kings than I do, but we, we have broadcast the memorial cup for for years uh decades and i covered one in saskatoon uh, i'm going to say about six or seven years ago it was great i mean it was actually the nathan mckinnon uh, seth jones uh, memorial cup uh back then they were kind of battling for that that top spot and in fact seth went into that tournament i think number one ranked overall by the time it was done it was mckinnon that ended up being chosen uh, first overall, it was, it's great access for us. Uh, the kids are, are thrilled to talk to you, and it's a real shame. But I guess, you know, Reed, this domino effect, um, not only in the world, but in sports, uh, more things now getting canceled, um, not a great sign. You know, not a great sign. And for those that are in touch with the medical officials uh, on a daily, hourly basis, trying to figure out when we can get sports uh, back on the ice, back on the pitch, back on the baseball diamond, are finding out it's proven, I think, to be a much more difficult scenario than any of us expected even 10 days ago. Yeah, and well, and it was such a surreal experience that last Wednesday night when the yeah. Oilers were playing the Jets and the NBA shut down. And I've said it before, Gene, I, I mean, I, 
Like, I felt like I was, I, I, like my eyeballs were on the game, but I wasn't concentrating. Mm-hmm. Does that does that make sense? And, and I mean, I knew I had to do overtime open line and was going to have to talk about it, but all of a sudden, your mind isn't on the task at hand because you realize, okay, there's a much bigger story in the in the real world. And, and maybe we're not going to have games to talk about for a while. I don't know what that game was was uh, was like for you when they were playing the Jets, but it's certainly, you know, part of the way through the first period when the NBA shut it down, I was like, okay, ev- everything's starting to change here. Yeah, I, w- I would say the same. I mean, morning skate, it was the usual, well, unusual access, right, uh, because of things were, were starting to change regarding our access and being near uh, players. The room was closed, but, you know, and... <laughs> Ironically, I think that particular morning, more of the questioning was about playing in front of empty uh, stands, you know, buildings, arenas. That was kind of the the theme at that point. The belief was, hey, if this gets bad enough, they're going to close the arenas uh, to fans and that the games would go on. And players were reacting to that, kind of dealing with that. But then by the first period, as you mentioned, suddenly this game with playoff implications certainly didn't seem like such a big deal because I think we knew what was what was on the way. And, I mean, Dave Tippett said after that night on Wednesday, he goes, we'll just come to work tomorrow and see what happens. Well, uh, not a lot of people went to work that day because suddenly the, the facilities were starting anyways uh, to be closed and everything started to, to change. And so, yeah, the game, I never thought it would feel somewhat meaningless, but it... it it certainly did at that point uh, when the NBA said, hey, we're shutting things down because we knew kind of everything else would, would follow suit. Gene Principe from Sportsnet joining us tonight on Inside Sports. So the uh, Canadian Olympic Committee has said, look, we're not going. If the Olympics are in 2021, we'll go. We're not going this year. We had Angela White, uh, Olympic hurdler on the show. Gene, I'm sure you've talked to Angela plenty of times. For sure. Earlier. Yeah, very yeah. familiar with her. I mean, familiar with her certainly in her her career and everything she's sort of uh, fought through and done to to be a very proud canadian olympian uh, and we're going to have uh, aaron young on the show between 7 and seven thirty. aaron is from uh, originally from legal i think she's back home there now played ncaa wheelchair basketball at alabama and is a member of the canadian wheelchair basketball team so she was going to be in the paralympics so we'll get her uh, input as well in terms of the olympics gene how many uh, Olympics have you gone to? And, and I'll start with a general question, and then maybe we can get more specific. And how does it differ than covering an NHL game or practice once you're there and thrown into this huge international event? Yeah. Well, you know, I've had the, the experience of covering winter and summer, and I think winter felt more like uh, what we normally do uh, because... Um, I was covering the hockey, and uh, I was kind of splitting the role with uh, our good friend uh, Ryan Rashog. Um, and so it was really similar because by that time, it, you know, it's 2010 in Vancouver. There was a familiarity because it's Vancouver, and we've been to that city how many times covering hockey. And there's pro players, so so many of the teams uh you recognized a lot of the players. There were some you, you weren't familiar with, so it was it was it, it felt like uh, comfort hockey because that's what I would have been doing um, if the NHL had been on. And uh, you know you you work in mixed zones, and uh, it, it was kind of different because I'd never covered an Olympic of any type 
to that point, and I remember getting the call going, hey, we're thinking of sending you to the Olympics. I'm like, to cover what? And they're like, hockey. I'm like, okay, I think I could do that. Uh, you know, you're a bit intimidated covering bobsleigh because I don't really know a lot about that or some other events, but this was something that at least I hope I was familiar with or felt like it. Those Summer Olympics in London were way different because my familiarity with the athletes was a lot less, and I was basically kind of thrown in to cover cycling, uh, different cycling, uh, both indoor, the velodrome, uh, outdoor, uh, distance, uh, just anything that was on two wheels. And then I also covered some other stuff. Uh, that was way different because that was, uh, you were kind of uh, covering sport, but it depended on the Canadians. If the Canadian was, was vying for a medal, well, suddenly what you were going to do was important. Um, if a Canadian was finishing 34th, well, suddenly that wasn't the story of the day and they were going off to, it, it was kind of like covering news and sports because things are happening. And as those things happen, you determine what the big stories are. So I was sometimes covering bigger stories depending on what the Canadians were doing. And then sometimes not as big a role because the Canadians weren't as successful. So it was, it was a lot of fun, though. I was in London, and I ate more fish and chips, <laughs> I think, in three and a half weeks than I have in uh, 53 years on the planet. Um, you know, we stayed in Vancouver. was shorter. It was two weeks. So uh stayed in a hotel there. We stayed in kind of like uh, dorm rooms. And uh, so it was fun. It was a great experience. And uh, normally when I talk about, uh, you know, the, the rocket, it's Maurice Rocket Richard and what he did. Uh, but that's what, you know, the tube, they call it, I think, in London. So you were tubing to different uh, places. So it was great life experience um, and, and a great work experience all rolled into one. So did you find, I mean, you, there must have been a day when a story was an athlete that didn't speak English. What, what did you do? Yeah, yeah. You know what? That was uh, a little bit more difficult. You go through these mixed zones, and what would happen when it was an athlete that, that you know, didn't speak English, they would often they'd have an interpreter with them, or in some cases they would have, well, interpreter being not uh, like an athlete, it would be someone on staff, or in some cases, if you were covering the 4 by 100 meter relay, for example, um, there'd be someone on that team or a coach that was, was sort of read, readily available uh, to interpret. One of the other things I remember, just as you were asking me about it, uh, was they had like a commissary, uh, confectionery, a cafeteria that was open. We had sort of a compound where we would go to often and then disperse from there. And it was open 24-7. It had all the food you could ever want. So that was that was fantastic. And I got, you know, as much as you, you got to cover the athletes, I got to meet Al Michaels, which for me was a big thrill, and John McEnroe, which, you know, when I was growing up watching McEnroe and Borg and Connors, and, uh, you know, that was a, a thrill for me. So you got to see not only sort of current-day athletes, but you got to see some of the former athletes covering the events. And, you know, Al Michaels is still... Uh, one of the preeminent announcers in the business. Uh, so those, those are kind of neat for me as well, getting a chance to experience that. Did John McEnroe tell you that you suck? <laughs> no, but, you know, it was, you know, you know, I used to love his tantrums. And oh. now as I'm older, I think, oh, my gosh. But who didn't, you know, you watch McEnroe to watch him play tennis, but most times to watch him 
you know, just light up an umpire or a ball girl or a ball boy. Again, you know, at the time it seemed pretty enjoyable. Now when you look back at it, you kind of think oh, you, you cringe for those for those people involved. But I was walking beside him and I was trying to get a photo with him and he just kind of kept walking. He wasn't rude, uh, but he didn't sort of stop and take the photo. But I, I, I tried anyways. It was kind of back 2010, we were really starting to use our phones more. And uh, But I do remember the walk with him and I told him, I, said, I was a huge fan of yours. Uh, and, and still am. You know, the game of tennis is, is not like it used to be. There's still about three players, I guess you could say. Uh, Djokovic, uh, Nadal, and uh, Federer. They still kind of run things. But I don't think it had uh, the, as much personality in now as it did then. The players were more open to to being open about how they wanted to, to talk. But anyway, it's still a great era now, but it was a great era that Gene, it was great to have you on the show. I, I hope we can do this again as we uh, move through this uh, uncertain future in the world and in the sports world. I'm going to leave you with a text I got from a, a texter who goes by the handle of the Big L, who's a very loyal <laughs> listener and quite an amusing texter. And he was hearing us talking about eyewear earlier in the interview. And he says, uh, hey, Reed, many might say Gene's a glasses half full kind of guy. <laughs> Well, that's good. I really appreciate that. That's that, uh, that's very nice of him to say. He got some great textures. I mean, I enjoy uh, listening on the radio and catching what you do. And I. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, you really, you know, put a time and effort in, uh, especially when there's no hockey. That's a bit of a different circumstance in bringing the stories of the people to the people who are listening. So keep it up. Gene, all the best to you and your family, man. Keep in touch. You too. Take care, Reed. That is one of the good guys. Gene Principe from Sportsnet, Edmontonian through and through. Awesome to have him on Inside Sports. Back after the break. Joe's leading scorer, Leon Dreisaitl. Well, we would have had an Oilers game tonight. Not happening. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classic Spun with a modern twist, northchickenyeg.com. And obviously, uh, with everything going on, I encourage you to check out the website. They are making some uh, special efforts to uh, provide takeout and delivery, as are many other restaurants around the city as we work through the coronavirus. Kellen Kennedy is on the other side of the window tonight. Kellen, how are you keeping, old boy? Doing good, doing good. It's nice to see you. We have uh, not been in the same room with each other for a few days. Everything's by email. Yep, Just or text message. The uh, I, I am doing the show from 630 Chet Studio. We have some of our guests from home. Uh, now, even though we do have some people at work, it, it's a very safe environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we aren't really around each other. 
I'm alone in the sports department in the afternoon when I get in. And I am wiping down the equipment uh, every 20 minutes. At least 20 feet away from me, and there's also a window between us. Absolutely. So we're fine. We're fine. I'm not now. Now this gives me an excuse to never come near you, even when things are over. I just play. Hey, Kellen, the show worked fine. Well, what do you think I've been doing the past five years? <laughs> six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.